This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by David and Brady. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Going to have a little bit of basketball discussion, football and baseball, as well as some other topics at the end. But let's get right into it. The men's basketball roster news that you've undoubtedly seen by now. Corey Allen and Kane Williams are back. The two seniors have announced through the university that they'll be returning for the 2021-22 season with the extra year of eligibility granted by the NCAA due to COVID-19. Sophomore guard Ryan Boyce has entered the transfer portal as well. Uh, Ryan appeared in 21 games, starting 10, averaging 5.1 points per game. He scored double digits off the bench twice in the Sun Belt Tournament, a career-high 13 in the semifinal versus Louisiana, and 11 in the final against App State. So, uh, gentlemen, that's some interesting news on both fronts. So why don't we go ahead and kick off discussion for that? Yes, good news abound. Um, you know, seniors Kane Williams, Corey Allen are back. Um, you know, the NCAA is granting every you know everybody an extra year of eligibility due to the pandemic and things. And you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of programs, you know, are probably dealing with some weird roster crunches that they otherwise wouldn't be. And you know, some gray areas with guys who, you know, are they going to move on? Are they going to come back? Um, but I, you know, I think this is a great thing for the Panthers. They, you know, they're definitely a team that have a lot of pieces coming back, you know, pieces that didn't play this year, pieces that did play last year, um, last season, excuse me. And, you know, that left a bad taste in their mouth getting to the, you know, tournament championship and, you know, falling to app state. So this is definitely a good thing. And, you know, they're going to be able to run it right back and probably be, you know, right back in that conversation for best team in the Sun Belt next year. Yeah, I think any coach probably would take having the problem of too many guys who can play than too little. And so I think that, you know, looking at the other side of it, obviously continues to create a situation where just there's a lot of guys that we know can play and just only so many minutes in the game in a rotation. So it's going to be a situation where coach Nier and company, it's going to be a coaching job and it's going to be managing a roster and finding the right rotation and finding the right ways guys play together. And I'm interested to see what their incumbent status is as far as they've both been starters this year. Uh, but other guys are going to get better. I mean, we've seen a lot from guys like Evan Johnson and we've, there's freshmen that are going to be coming in and Nelson Phillips is going to be healthy again and playing as we hope. Um, and so I'm interested to see how much of this is going to be exactly the same or how much, if we see one of them coming off the bench or what, I'm interested to see how it shakes out. But I think that David's right. The bottom line is, is they were ready to get into the NCAA tournament that didn't happen this year. And they're not done because they've still got that mission and they want to get back. Well, they want to get back in Kane's case, Corey still hasn't been able to go. So I can definitely understand for both of them, the desire to get to the big dance. 
Absolutely. And I, you know, I love what you said about it. You know, it's a good thing that coaches have too many players, you know, but, you know, especially what we've seen with coach Rob Lanier, like he's very confident in playing everybody on this team, everybody on his bench, you know, you might have five guys that'll get on the graphic from the official men's account and be the starters. But at the same time though, you know, if you're on the bench and the game situation dictates it, it's not just COVID either. You know, you are, probably going to play you're going to see minutes you know obviously the Panthers had that pause this year but that was a thing that happened in coach Lanier's first year you know when it was a normal season um you know and it wasn't just in out of conference obviously you it's tighten things up as the year goes on. And that did happen. But, you know, I remember in 2019, early 2020, um, before the Panthers were knocked out in the Sunbelt tournament, you know, coach's rotation was a little bit longer than, you know, you probably thought that it should be, you know, he was playing six, you know, seven guys deep. And so if you're capable of bringing something, he's going to see you on that bench and he's going to call your name and call your number when it's time. So if there's any coach that I trust to find ways to get everybody involved and keep everybody active and you know in tune it's definitely this one yeah uh georgia state ended the year this year with every starter in double digits points per game and i think we we don't really know how it's going to shake out but i think that what we can say what i i'm willing to say for sure is there's going to be a guy who is a double digit scorer who might not average double digit points what i mean is that there's going to be a guy that does everything that you know if he was playing for another team that maybe wasn't so deep he'd be one of the point leaders on the team or he'd at least be pushing into double digits but might not be able to just because of the sheer numbers but i think it's going to be a situation where at least one guy is going to get left off the starting lineup that it's not because that they aren't starting lineup quality it's just that there's a lot of guys that can play and you know i obviously with these two coming back the point with this is that you can see another year with them, but I'm still really looking forward to seeing who takes that big leap from the guys that are coming back that are underclassmen. I mean, I don't know whether it's going to be Colin Moore. I don't know what's going to be one of the true freshmen who come in. I don't know if it's going to be uh, Evan Johnson, Caleb Scott or Jalen Thomas again. Um, but it gets me excited because we know that there's these two seniors and we know that there and that can provide some lead in there and it's going to complement a team that just by natural evolution and how players develop in the offseason is going to be a better team um this team was really good in the times when they were not stopped by covid they were six and one in the beginning of the year and they finished the year eight and two and that team's going to be better just definitionally de- just definitionally this year so i I will say that I am curious to see how all of the roster stuff shakes out. But I think, like I said to start, you take having too many answers than too few. Absolutely. That, you know, that's how you build good basketball teams. That's how you build good basketball programs, you know, and I think kind of an unstated thing is who knows what two years from now will look like when, you know, 
the extra year isn't there and the Corey Allens and the Kane Williams of the Panthers and of the basketball world are gone. And, you know, those guys who are sophomores now, that extra year of practice, who knows, you know, the benefits that could have on a guy, you know, you might get like a Evan Johnson becoming a conference leader in points in a couple of years, simply because he sat an extra year, you know, and came off the bench and, you know, that, gave him that hunger that gave him that fire to continue to work on his game and be better than he otherwise would have been, you know? So who knows the benefits and, you know, well, it's, it's still great for the Panthers that this happened. And I think we're going to see the guys who should be playing, playing in, you know, as in, I think that Corey and Kane will have a good situation coming back because they've been starters, but I mean, I don't think that we've, you know, in times that he's already been here, Coaches played the guys that have been earning time, so to speak. And that's not to say that Corey and Kane aren't those guys, but I I think the one worry you would have is just that it would maybe stunt someone's development a year. But I think just because we know that Coach Tenier likes to play a lot of guys and that he's willing to play the guys that are the right, you know, the hot hand at the right time, I think I'm a little less worried. But that would be the one worry is back, and this is a situation where uh, someone, you know, any of the players that are on the bench get less time and aren't as productive or feel like they're getting passed up and, tra- you know, whatever the worst case scenario you want to lay out. That's definitely a possibility out there, but I think that that's up to the coaches to manage it. And, and it's also just incumbent on how practice shakes out competitively, just guys fighting for spots. And end of the day, I don't think that you can sit here and say you wouldn't take double-digit scorers like Kane Williams and Corey Allen for another year. I think that you just, that is a positive for the team and you work from there and you make sure that everyone who should get minutes gets the minutes they should be getting. And, you know, I'm not paid that salary, so it's not my decisions. And in some ways I'm glad because I think it's going to be a a lot of uh, tough decisions. A lot of guys that are making it hard for the coaching staff because they can play. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to decide anything. We just have to talk about it. So good luck to Coach to figure that one out. And the other piece of news with Brian Boyce um, kind of ties into all what we were just talking about is that there's a lot of guys adding in the freshmen that you're going to get in this class coming in. And it, it's a crowded room. It's a crowded room, and there's the minutes is going to be an issue. And it might have just been a situation where Ryan was not seeing where his minutes were going to come from necessarily or just that it is going to be just a situation where maybe he is halfway through the season and isn't getting the minutes he wants and he's thinking I'd rather be somewhere else where I definitely could be fighting for minutes and I think you know I was really interested to see what step he was going to take I thought that he was really good in the tournament he really came on and provided points he was the only one scoring points at certain points in the game against App State uh in the championship. Uh, and I thought that he had really kind of carved out the same type of niche that Nelson had, where he was spotting up outside for threes on offense and he was just being energetic on defense. Um, whatever happens next for him, hope it works out. Uh, sorry. He didn't stay long longer and it couldn't work out the way he hoped for in Atlanta. But you know, when you have years coming back, when you have, a good chunk of freshmen coming in and you've already got, and then you've got two guys coming back from being injured as well. You can see where a guy might look at it and say, it's getting real tight in here. 
It's definitely a bummer. Um, you know, I I really thought that he was going to be that first off the bench type next year. Um, you know, he's not necessarily he's not ripping threes, but he, like you said, is kind of like Nelson in that if he's ever open in the corner, you know, he's the one who's going to be taking the smart threes, you know, three, four a game at the absolute most, you know, but he's going to hit a good bit of those. Um, and, you know, I did like his, I liked his defense. I liked, you know, some of the hustle that he kind of exemplified and, you know, you're absolutely right. He was the only person really scoring in that championship game in spurts. And so, you know, you could definitely see, the way that he was able to affect the offense and, you know, keep the offense moving at various times, you know, and it wasn't just the App State game. You know, that happened throughout the season when the Panthers were in a lull. So, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, we wish him the best. I hope, you know, he lands wherever it is that he, you know, feels comfortable and, you know, finds the role that he is looking for. You know, just a little bummed that it didn't work out here for him at Georgia State. So, you know, kind of wrapping up that, just if you guys are looking for more of our thoughts on, um, you know, the men's basketball team and, you know, kind of where we think things stood at the end of last year and, you know, kind of a little bit on where we think that things are going to go next year. We posted a piece this morning about the men's basketball season and, you know, we just kind of wrapped that up. So definitely check that out on the website, you know, and obviously uh, we have to talk about the bracket challenge. You know, somebody picked Illinois to win, but we're not going to name names. So, you know, Brady, do you want to talk about you? (laughs) It was was me. Um, This is our first pod since then. And I, so I should take the time to say not that anyone still cares about the first round of the NCAA tournament because the rest of it happened, but I said North Texas over Purdue. I said, Ohio over Virginia. And I said, Abilene over Texas. And on the pod, I was hedging my bets a little bit, but I ended up picking that one. I did pick it and three for three on my big swings. I felt good about that. I ended up getting three of my four final four teams and I felt really good. And throughout the tournament, I was feeling good because Gonzaga, Gonzaga just kept looking like the national champion. They were just blowing everyone out and got to the championship. Other number two, you know, top two team in the country in Baylor. And Baylor was just considerably better on the day. And Baylor won. And so at this point, friend of the pod, Bailey, congrats. Winning the Thursday night uh, bracket challenge on ESPN. Uh, it was going to be either me or him, depending on who won that game. And I was really hoping Gonzaga would win for just their narrative. And I was also really hoping Gonzaga to win so I would win the bracket. So all kinds of disappointing outcomes on the Monday championship game for Brady personally. But fun tournament. Uh, Georgia State being in it would have been cooler, but it still ended up really working. I, I was not sure how the Indianapolis bubble was going to work. Um, nothing was wrong with, you know, it would worked as a proper COVID bubble, which was the most important thing uh, aside from the Oregon VCU game, which was an unfortunate thing. But the worst thing would have been if like five teams, like we kept having situations where teams were having to get games canceled and it felt like it was really playing into the invalidation of the tournament. Uh, but that didn't happen except for the one game, good games, the UCLA Gonzaga game. I, people are going to forget Gonzaga didn't win the national championship just because that's going to be the game they remember and Gonzaga won it. And so, Oh my God, that was an, an amazing game. I have to interject and interrupt you because I still am not over that game almost a week later. I, that shot. I mean, 
again, I feel bad for Gonzaga because they've done this before. You know, they won the went to the national championship in 2017 and lost to UNC. Uh, and that was first time they had cleared the final four hurdle. And it feels, feels like the logical progression for them was going to be winning this national championship and finally getting over that hurdle. And it would have had that March moment, kind of like Leitner's shot in 92 for Duke. They end up winning the title. If Duke doesn't win that year, I, I think that that March moment lives on somewhat like it does now. But I think part of the lore is that they won that game and went on to continue winning the championship. I mean, so... The Jalen Sugg shot, I still think is going to be one of those shots, but it feels like it, it missing a little bit of that just because they didn't finish the drill on Monday. Uh, he's still going to be fine in the NBA and go in the lottery this year. And I, you know, I on the other side of things, even though they lost the game, Johnny Juzang did incredible things to his draft stock, and he's probably going to the draft and might work his way into just a right at the hot at the right time lottery selection. We, I don't know how that's going to shake out. I'm not a draftologist guy but yeah i mean that game one of the better games in a tournament in a few years uh helped out by the fact that there wasn't any tournament last year but that game the villanova unc championship uh the purdue virginia elite eight game it's it's in that tier even though it's a bummer that gonzaga didn't end up winning the whole thing after winning that game you know, I, we, obviously we don't have to talk too much about the game, um, but I did want to mention, isn't it such a bummer how just the air came out of that Gonzaga balloon at the end there after the Sug shot and then just a, you know, I mean, when the Zags were down, I think nine or 10 in the championship game Monday, it just really, it didn't feel like it was over necessarily. I'm using hindsight bias, obviously. Um, but man, that game just deserves so much more excitement than it got. And just as it's not, I'm not talking about the stakes. I'm just talking about strictly a, you know, a one-on-one basketball game. And, you know, like I, I watched the women's final between Arizona and Stanford. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the last couple of minutes because Stanford was up like nine and they just very clearly were not going to put away Arizona. And then Arizona, you know, finally took the lead by one, but they just couldn't ever really push it and get to the point where they were defending a, you know, more than a possession or, you know, more than a point. And then Stanford got a lucky bounce, got some free throws and Arizona couldn't match them at the line, you know, and then Stanford had an, unusual turnover at the end of the game where they just did not really put up any sort of attempt. And Arizona had like seven seconds to and a timeout in their back pocket to run a play, you know, get a good shot up. If it wasn't there, you know, take a timeout, run it again. And they just didn't get a good look, um, which was, you know, kind of symbolic of the men's tournament if you were in our chat, but um the men not having that sort of championship was just a bummer, especially with, like you said, how exciting the tournament was, you know, both the games, the upsets and the fact that we didn't have one last year. There is one positive, and this is me turning to the local angle for the podcast where we are ostensibly talking about Georgia state stuff. Uh, Georgia state's got a win in the last decade over an NCAA champion. So there, there's your positive. There's my positive. You got to count that. Thing, you know? positive for. Baylor beating Gonzaga, even though I just spelled out all the different reasons why I personally was not a fan of that being the result. Uh, Georgia State got a win over national champion in the last decade. Can't take it away. Can't take away the banner Baylor's going to hang. Can't take away that win either. 
No, when they talk about that Baylor rebuild, that includes losing to Georgia State in the first round six years ago. So I'll take it, too. All right. So moving on to football, spring practice continues as we work our way toward the spring game on April 16th. Uh, Some quotes from Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott. We are having what I would consider a phenomenal spring practice. Very few times in my career has spring practice gone so smoothly where you don't even notice what day you're on. A lot of times, players and coaches count down those 15 days like it's torture, but it's been awesome. And then Elliot also said, We have so much competitive spirit going on from all sides, offensively, defensively, and even in our special teams. Everybody is playing at a high level, and it's fun to see. So, gentlemen, anything sticking out at you from spring practice so far? Coaches always... You know, it's the best practice ever. It's been awesome to be back. But those quotes are from a press conference of media availability. Coach Elliott did with uh, us, among other media people. And it really you could tell how excited it was. It wasn't just the usual like coach says thing that is positive about his team bringing energy like he was legitimately very excited about the progress and it going into spring, he was talking about how his situation where because they were bringing so much back and because continuity of staff that they had, it was probably going to be a spring where they could do a lot and bring a lot of energy. And it wouldn't necessarily be like a, a different spring where half the roster isn't, you know, walk-ons are composing a good portion of the teams that play just because you don't have a full camp coterie, I guess. And now that spring's, over halfway done and coach Elliott is talking to the media about it. Like it's clear that what he wanted from spring is happening and he's getting a lot of that. And it moved to, all right, let's get out of this spring without any injuries and hit the fall with a lot of momentum. But uh, I guess I wanted to bring up a couple of things that I picked out from that uh, media call. Uh, Tyler Gore is a safety now and uh, Courtney Williams is cornerback in the defensive backfield. Some switching around and, uh, both of them got shouted out for Coach Elliott for uh, playing hard in uh, the spring. Uh, a couple of others, uh, Robert Lewis was both shouted out by Coach Elliott and Safety Antavius Lane as guys that have been having good spring. He's a freshman receiver, and so uh, that was another name that jumped out. Uh, Jamil Muhammad, I think it's been a little up in the air where he's exactly going to land, and as of right now, he is going to be an outside linebacker. And uh, this is me now, not adding a practice notes from Coach Elliott, but I seeing the videos of him on social media. I mean, he doesn't look like he just played quarterback last season. Like the guy has gone through offseason weight program. He's gone after it. He's gotten after it with the weights. And he looks like a defensive line, you know, a linebacker. And reports are that he's bringing a lot. He's, I think is we're still going to see when he hits the rotation. Uh, because there were guys there that didn't change from quarterback to linebacker and had good seasons. And so, you know, we'll see when we see him a lot, but just from my personal eye test, which is worth not a ton, but it is worth whatever I say it is because I'm talking on this pod looks like an outside linebacker. Now uh, coach Elliott had a lot good to say about the energies bring there. And I, you know, I think it was a case of just finding a place on the field for a guy with his athleticism and, Right now, that's outside linebacker. Now, he looks very beefy in that like outside linebacker kind of way. Um, and obviously, we have 
you know, a scaled down practice video. So we have to take it with a grain of salt, but I definitely echo your sentiments because the first time I saw a video of him, I, you know, the men's team, not the men's, it's football. The football team put a, uh, his Twitter handle in there and I clicked it and I looked at the name and I was like, this, who is this guy? It doesn't, he doesn't look familiar cause it wasn't full. And then I like kind of did a little bit more research and I was like, Oh wow, that is not somebody who looks like he just played quarterback last year. So I am, you know, it's April, so I can't necessarily do this, but he's definitely somebody I'm going to be watching this fall. Um, and just as far as if that weight progression translates into production on the field. Also, I want to ask one more thing I had from before before you go. So coach shouted out. I remember last year coach shouted out Ant Lane around this time, maybe a little bit before, you know, and we saw how good he was last year. So does that mean that he's going to be even better this year? Like, is that is there like a correlation with the, you know, the coach Elliott kiss of, you know, progress, if you will? Well, see, that was what I was going to go to next is that it, uh, Antavius was the player we got to talk to. Uh, the one nugget I want to lead with was we found out the origin of the hit stick nickname, and it was he gave it to himself, which I love. I love that. That makes it even better. He gave it to himself like uh, earlier in high school and then lived up to it and continues to live up to it. Uh, but I, he mentioned that, um, and it was too funny not to mention. Uh, he also said that Jamari Thrash and Kadarius Thompson are guys that have been flashing for the offensive fight, as well as Robert Lewis. So both of them giving that guy their seal of approval. So it, it goes. And the, the key, the, the common thread was just that from players and coach competition is there. They can feel it when they're out there. It's, you know, the guys that first team versus first team, but also just, I think it's building throughout the team and, I'm just wondering if it's a situation where they've continued to build the depth and now it's a depth of players that are coming off of two winning seasons and that it really starts to feel like it's building and it's starting to feel like they know that they are winning football team. And so if that's building into the excitement this spring and building into the energy, I mean, whatever it is, it's great that this is the way the spring's going. I'm excited to see it actually happen at the spring game on the 16th, uh, I don't think that we can say enough that it feels like a real moment for Georgia state football, just with all that is coming back and with all that they're building, having built on with the winning season, just, it feels like if there's a time where they're going to hit those goals, they're really looking for, it's not just, you know, maybe this is the year thing. It's, we think it's the year and the players believe it is the year they're going to win the sub out East. And so that's exciting stuff for Georgia state football. It's look like they're having fun, you know, like I, I rem- obviously my perception as a student and when I was there is a little bit different now, both because it's mostly a new coach and it's mostly they've been better. So obviously this would trickle in, but they just, you know, in all the videos and the, you know, the, they had a tweet yesterday about the golf thing that they do every year. They just look like they're having so much more fun than I remember seeing football players look like on campus, you know, no disrespect to, you know, the two, the teams, the four teams that were there while I was there, but I, I don't know. It just, it seems like a completely different atmosphere going on on at center park stadium these days so that's great you know you want to see and you want to build that momentum and keep that going for the future 
So let's jump on over to baseball for a moment. Uh, baseball dropped the opener in the rivalry series with Georgia Southern 23 to 1 last Thursday, but battled back and won the series with 7 to 6 and 3 to 2 wins the following two days. Panthers lost in midweek 5 to 1 at Mercer to sit at 7 and 23 on the year. But the wins over Southern moved them back to 3-3 three and three in conference, and there's a lot of baseball left. The Diamond Thurs are back at it this weekend in Boone against Appalachian State for a three-game set before a quick stop next Tuesday in Athens for a game with the Georgia Bulldogs. Gentlemen, thoughts on the baseball team? Uh, the first one is just that it's, it's one of those series wins that, I mean, as they've been coming off a, a lot of losses and they entered that series on a losing streak, it really feels like a very important win to signal where the baseball program is going. And honestly, the least important part of it is that it was Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern. The, the, the team that they played that happened to be Georgia Southern, I think it matters because it's a team that has 26 upperclassmen. Uh, they brought a, a fair amount of guys back that were contributors on the team last year before the season ended. And it's a good Georgia Southern team and experienced Georgia Southern team. And Georgia State has... 10 upperclassmen and 15 freshmen. And a lot of them were the guys playing in the lineup or pitching. And so I think, especially after getting just totally kicked in the mouth on Thursday in the opening game and losing by 22 with all the losses that have been piling up, it could be really easy to just continue to fold and feel bad, but they responded. They won two close game. They gritted it out and they're back to 500. And, you know, they played, Currently, WarrenNolan.com is a baseball site. They have Georgia State as the number nine strength of schedule in the country, the number seven non-conference strength of schedule in the country. They played a really tough non-conference, as we've talked about before, and it really got to them in the you know the record at 723, not very good. But we kind of knew there was going to be a tough sled, and it's not really – I'm not really worried about the record, especially because they're still – you know, I don't think the Georgia State's going to win every single game left on the schedule. But if they did, they'd be above 500, which just tells you how many games there are left in this year. Um, it also just says that the non-conference schedule is just one part of it, and that they're still three and three in conference. They just show that they can beat a, one of the at least above-average teams in the conference in a three-game set in Georgia Southern. And looking forward to see what they do against App State. See if after the excitement of last weekend series dies down and they hit the road. What happens with that? But, you know, the first thing you have to see is the 723 record. I, obviously, is a, from the outside in, if you're not looking at the specifics of what's going on, I can see why that would be a real negative, but positivity, positivity, something's building. Yeah, just got to hope it keeps building and, you know, gets it's the out of conference schedule in theory is never going to be this hard. Um, but, you know, you just got to hope that keeps building and get the momentum going and that this, their Sunbelt slate continues to get better and they, you know, handle business there. So before we get you guys out of here this week, we did want to just remind you about the men's basketball season recap piece that David and Brady wrote is now live on the site. Make sure to go check that out. But until next week, that's all we've got. And for now, thank you as always for listening, and we will catch you back in the next episode. See ya.
The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.